0: To the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she
1: is, Andrea Kay.
2: Because I'm TNT. I'm dynam-
3: made it work tonight what we are doing right now for the first time at least successfully is we are broadcasting from the am 1170 studios here in uh, not necessarily sunny san diego re- while we are recording tonight's andrea kay show so right now you're watching me live but i'm actually recording the show that's going to be popped onto the station tonight at 6 p.m pacific time here thank you all so much for joining me um I'm just thrilled that we were able to make this work. I'm even more thrilled with the guests that we have lined up for today's show. We've got none other than Alan West. Need I say more than those two words for you to know the power of the guests that I have coming on a little bit later. And then I even have an old friend of America's, Bill Clinton, Bubba, who's going to be on the show later. So we're we're just going to have so much fun because what a fun time this is for us in America, right? We finally got... A president is ready to put America first back in the White House, already handling business, taking care of business just like a businessman would. while at the same time, we've got literally meltdowns of hysteria from coast to coast. And I got to thinking about how completely irrational these marches are from from such so many different levels. And I got to thinking about the irrationality and it really dawned on me this morning when I saw video of a woman, a husband, a wife who had to be escorted off of an airplane because they literally attempted to bully a man so badly that they had to be taken off the plane. And this was not they were not Islamic jihadis. What these were, what they looked like, you know, regular American couple, they looked like they were in their 60s but what it, what they were, were tyrannical bullies. And they were coming from a place that was completely irrational. And then I was reminded of a quote by the former president of the Czech Republic who said that, you know, America, I'm going to kind of paraphrase here because it's a little bit of a lengthy quote. He said, America can survive Barack Obama, but they can't necessarily survive the fools, the Confederacy of fools, as he calls them who would actually vote for him. He says the problem is much deeper and far more serious than Mr. Obama, who is a mere symptom of what ails America blaming the Prince of fools should not blind anyone to the vast confederacy of fools that made him their Prince. The Republican survive a Barack Obama who is after all, merely a fool. It is less likely to survive a multitude of fools, such as those who made him their president. And so for all of the excitement that we have for a president, Donald J. Trump and what he's doing today and what that means for us and And I am excited. I also think that we still have a really big problem in America that we can't just laugh away when we see somebody completely laughable and irrational like Ashley Judd standing up there on the stage. I'm nasty. I'm nasty, she's saying. It's like, yeah, girl, I agree you are nasty. Okay. And there was a whole lot of irrational nasty going on in these women marches. There's nothing rational about Dressing yourself up and taking the time to concoct a costume that looks like a piece of genitalia and then actually putting that on your children, your little girls with comments like, you know, grab my blank. That is disgusting and foul to me. The vulgarity is coming out. Why do you have to behave that way? It's completely irrational. If you want to be taken seriously and be respected, act respectable. But there's nothing rational about a group of people. The it considered it more of a crime on the campaign trail that Donald Trump supposedly, although it's been proven he really didn't mock a disabled man, but f- for the irrational, crazy people on the left, these Confederacy of fools people, that was more of a crime to them than the crimes of the cover-up involving the deaths of four Americans in Benghazi, the cover-up that was launched afterwards, and Hillary Clinton's crimes with their email scheme. There's something incredibly irrational about at large numbers of American people that that think that call you names if you don't want to import people who share the same ideology that took down the twin towers on September 11th there is such a fundamental irrational nature to what is going on in the left and make no mistake Donald Trump won 30 what was it 39 states it was a major victory through the electoral college but she still did win the popular vote that means that there are way too many Americans that are completely irrational And it's not just the loony women that were marching in the streets. So I and and my question to you all out there, my question for my next guest coming up is going to be we still have this major issue in our culture, this major cultural clash that's going on. And while I'm excited that President Trump's approval ratings are up at now like 57 percent and his results are already being documented and his plans are solid. And we'll do right by the American people. I don't think that we can take our eye off this issue here and this clash of civilizations, if you will, that's internally in this country. And so I'm gonna pose that question to Alan West. We're gonna take a break and we come back. We are gonna to talk to the one and only Alan West. First time on the Andrea K show. I couldn't be more honored. And thanks for watching me on Facebook Live. And then,
1: for free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy.
2: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome
3: back to The Andrea K Show. I'm having so much fun already because I am actually live with you all via Facebook Live right now while I'm recording tonight's show. It is such a great day in America. It is day two from my man, President Donald J. Trump. He, uh, the, my list is growing. I, he's, he's accomplishing so much already. I can't even keep track of it all. Here for the first time on the Andre K. Show, I am truly honored. As I told you guys at the top of the show, I don't really need to say anything more in terms of introducing him besides his name. He is a former congressman. He is an American hero. He is none other than Colonel Allen West. Hello, Colonel. Welcome to the Andre K. Show.
4: Andrew, thanks so much for having me. We have to make sure we do this more often. It's great to be with you first time.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, Wow. You know, I almost didn't even so much has happened um, during the campaign trail with the Republican Party, with Donald Trump in in America post-election. I I almost didn't even know where to begin with the interview. And so I put it out to my listeners. I said, what do you all want to hear from, you know, because I know my listeners and I know my friends out there on social media. They are such fans of yours. And so I'm actually going to go through. Thank you. Oh, sure. I'm going to go through um, the questions that they posed to me. First, first of all, he's made a lot. Donald Trump has made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. Huge agenda. Double down on those promises in the inaugural address. Some people are concerned that he might overplay his mandate used too much of his goodwill, and that he should really focus in a strategy on one or two big issues. If you agree with that strategy, what would those issues, one or two top issues be, and what should he do?
4: Well, I will tell you first and foremost, uh, he does not have a mandate yet. He has an opportunity, uh, and I think when you go back and you look at Bill Clinton, who thought he had a mandate, and he went down the path of a very far left agenda, Hillary mm-hmm. Care, and everything, he got his butt kicked in his first midterm election. Uh, the same with Barack Obama, thought he had a mandate. He had, you know, the House and the Senate, and uh, he went down the path of Obamacare, and look at how many seats he lost in the House in his uh, first midterm election. So you have an opportunity. And the opportunity is this. You've got to get Americans back to work. It has to be about economic growth. And the other thing that you have to do is rebuilding our military capability and capacity to be a strong deterrent force uh, and to make sure that you are doing the right things to provide for the common defense and uh, protect America. And and that also relates to the fact that we're on a, a 21st century battlefield where we are here In the United States, if you don't believe that, look at San Bernardino, Fort Hood, Orlando, Boston, I can go on ad nauseum ad infinitum. So if I were to advise Donald Trump, I would say these two things, economic growth and national security. That's where your your primary concerns need to be right now.
3: In terms of economics, there's been a lot of um, so many of the never Trump movement were actually within the Republican Party. They didn't consider him a conservative and one of their own. And they had all these concerns about whether or not he was going to. Uh, see government as something that's not supposed to be large and tyrannical and rule over the people there's there's many of us who saw that what he did with carrier and with ford we saw that as a good thing hey he picked up the Mm -hmm. phone he called these businesses kept jobs here other people within the republican party said oh you know he's just he's being tyrannical he's threatening he's he's doing the same thing that obama did what do you think about some of the things that he's done
4: I don't think that he has been like Obama. Obama did it through executive order, fiat, to you know instill fear and intimidation. And, and remember, Barack Obama's mindset when he said back in 2012, "If you own a business, you didn't build that." Well, Donald Trump, look, Donald Trump is not a Republican, Democrat, but you know, conservative, liberal, progressive. Well, he's a populist, and he is out there as a businessman saying the things that he believes need to get done, and the things that are popular with the everyday American Joe and Jane six-pack, as I call it. So he realized and, – and when you go back and you look at this, winning Pennsylvania, winning Ohio, winning Wisconsin, winning Michigan, I mean he showed that he can connect with the everyday American out there that has been truly the forgotten man and woman who are out of work. You know, the left is saying, here, we'll take care of you. Come be part of the welfare nanny state. The Republicans never really reached out to those individuals. And so now here comes a man that defied all logic, uh, did not play this by anyone's, you know, established rules. And he is a big threat to business as usual for Washington, D.C. And I think that's what he really stuck his finger in the chest of Washington, D.C. in his inauguration address. It's very encouraging. So I think, again, you see a guy that, that is about getting things done, uh, and he is going to make sure that he calls uh, those individuals that can get it done. And you're seeing him bring those people in. What he is saying is that America is open for business. You don't need to leave America. You need to stay here. You need to produce. You need to manufacture. And I will make sure you have the right type of tax, fiscal, economic policies, uh, regulatory policies that will enable you to thrive right here.
3: Yeah. Well, evidently speak. I thought his inaugural address was brilliant. I thought it was inspirational. I thought it was the very definition of unity to say, hey, you know, we're all patriots, you know, and and to unify around the concept of love of country. But I guess if you are somebody who only wants to see yourself through through a divisive lens of skin color or gender, and you feel therefore aggrieved as that particular group, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to to see him as a uniter. What else do you think he could or should do to unite America? Well,
4: continue to talk to Americans. You know, the, the problem that you see with the other side is this whole thing of identity politics. It's about the collective. It's not about the individual and it's how they can pit those groups uh, against each other. He's saying that everyone should want economic growth and prosperity and everyone should want to be secure. Who wouldn't want that? You know, he's saying to people all across the country, I want to do what is necessary for your child to, you know, have good education opportunities. I want to make sure we restore law and order. Who would not want these basic, simple Things that really, if you understand and read the preamble of the United States Constitution, that's what he's talking about. Now, the other side is going to continue to go down the, you know, the hate mongering and, you know, the demeaning, denigrating, and disparaging name calling and what have you. Uh, And there's a sense of the Washington, D.C. elites, the entertainment elites, the cultural elites uh, that feel threatened, you know, Mm -hmm. the lobbyist elites. Uh, But what they have to understand is that they're not the ones that make up the majority of America. And and that is what you saw come out in the November uh, 2016 election. Think about this. When you look at a state like Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's state elect, uh, electoral uh, base has always been based upon Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Then all of a sudden, all the people in between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia rallied and came together, and they cared that state because they wanted a different future for themselves and for their children and grandchildren. And I think that is what you're seeing, is that there's a revolt against the urban uh, collective mindset, that right. elitist mindset that says, we know better than you. And right. New York and California does not dictate the way that this country should go.
3: Right. The American people have figured out really what the overarching theme is, the agenda is. It's just to give uh, the left really wants more and more and more power amassed to a centralized Mm -hmm. government. And they can see that what's happened on the opposite coast isn't working. I live here in California. I know how bad it is here. The liberal policies here have taken what was once a great state and destroyed everything that was once great about it. It once had the greatest education system. And
4: it's it's not just California. I Mm -hmm. call it the locust effect because people leave California and they go do the same thing in other states. Look at what has
3: happened (laughs) in Colorado.
4: Look at what has happened in Nevada. I mean, this is where people are concerned. Concerned about is that they're exporting this progressive socialist status mindset, and you know, I mean, states who you know were very you know stable and 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 had good conservative fiscal policies and took care of their citizens are now you know becoming more and more like California. So, you know, I think you're going to see fewer and fewer of these counties, uh, you know, leaning that way, except for those major urban centers. Right.
3: We have, if you looked at this women's march, and I did my open talking about the irrationality of the left. I would like to think that Donald Trump taking a, an approach to all Americans, because the basics of economics don't change whether or not somebody's bringing their wallet into the grocery store as a woman or whether mm-hmm. it's an African American person. Economics is economics. And he's mm-hmm. trying to approach treat everybody as equal and American. And I would like to think that his results, of which he's already on his way, already has achieved some on his way, I would like to think that that would be enough to overcome the. Intense cultural clash that we have with all these different identity groups, the hate and intolerance that's going on. I would like to think that maybe that would, that would fix some of those problems, but I'm not sure that it will. I read, I read a quote at the top of the show about that the former Czech president who said, you know, you, America can survive Obama, but not the fools that would vote for him. How do we, how do we deal with this cultural clash that we got? And it literally does almost feel, and this is a question from a listener, it feels as though there is a war on white people right now.
4: Well, I, without a doubt, they feel that way because, I mean, you look at all the rhetoric out there. I mean, this person that is running for a DNC chair out of Iowa saying that she's going to tell white people to, to shut up. I mean, you know, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is what we have to do. We have to start talking uh, about what it means to be an American. We have to start talking about the fundamental principles and values of a constitutional republic in our homes. We got to make sure that our kids are getting uh, taught that in the schools. We need to talk about it in our communities, because uh, so often we have been afraid to stand up and, and push back against the cultural progressive socialist left, and, and we cannot do that anymore. And they are angry because oh, yeah. they felt, hey, this is, this is a walk in the park. We have our blue wall. We're going to win this election. And now all of a sudden, they're, they're, they they're feel threatened, and mm-hmm. much the same as, as a, a hornet's nest that you kick. I mean, they're coming out, and they're looking to sting anybody. So now is the time when we look at these institutions. We have to restore the, the family. Look in the black community, what since Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Great Society Programs has done to the two-parent household in the black community. We need to restore the sense of family. We need to restore that sense of small business entrepreneurship, that indomitable uh, spirit that has built this country – uh, over the past 240 years. We have to go back to understanding that education is is something that we have to make sure is provided to everyone. The fact that Barack Obama canceled the D.C. school voucher program in mm-hmm. April of 2009, and but yet sent his kids to "Well Friends, we need to evidence that the left believes in that you do as we say, not as we do. Mm-hmm. And it started with this person who was supposed to be the first black president. He doesn't believe that these young black children, deserving minority children, should get a quality education like he is trying to provide his own. We need to bring that out. Mm-hmm. And then again, we need to talk about what law and order really means. We need to combat this lawlessness, uh, this whole thing about sanctuary cities. It's very, very, very simple. You don't get federal funding if you're going to thumb the nose of the Constitution, of the States of America. We've got to win the ideological debate. Now, I will use a term that some drill sergeants used on me when I was a young cadet. There are going to be people out there that are stuck on stupid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be a collection of folks out there that, you know, they're gonna to continue to want more government control. They're gonna continue to believe in Keynesian economic policies of tax and spend. They're gonna to continue to believe in centralized economic planning. Because they don't know anything different, they're going to continue to believe that we should print money uh, and manipulate interest rates because we're trying to hide a failing economy. We got to get back to the simple blocking and tackling of what made America successful and great, and I think that's what Donald Trump is seeking to do.
3: Yeah, this is the Andrea K. Show, and I'm talking to the one and only Alan West. Uh, speaking of uh, Im- immigration, and and I think something that you referenced earlier. Some people were disappointed that he didn't immediately, with an executive order, overturn uh, DACA. And what do you think he could or should do? Because sanctuary cities, uh, you know, that's great that he's going to withhold the federal funding from, from them on that. What should he do with this whole Dreamer situation and the illegals that are here? And, and also well, as well with the refugee program.
4: Well, I think that, you know, first and foremost, you need to look at, from the refugee perspective, I don't think that anyone that is coming from a country that is on the terrorist watch list uh, should be coming into the United States of America without this extreme vetting. I think that when you look at what is happening in in Europe, especially Germany, with the infiltration of the refugees there, single military-aged Muslim males that are coming from terrorist watch list countries, we should be able to say no. Uh, when you look at, you know, our immigration situation, we got to go back to simply understanding that this is a constitutional republic we're a sovereign nation you have to respect our borders that doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and start rounding people up but you need to have a priority of the folks that are here illegally starting off with criminal illegal immigrants and we need to say that you're not allowed to be here and you know what happened with Kate Steinle out there in San Francisco and many other places across this country where these individuals are being deported two, three, four, five times and still mm-hmm. coming back into our country no we should not allow that to happen. I think that we have to say that we are compassionate people, but you know what? Our kids here in the United States of America—they're dreamers too. Yes. And we need to make sure that they're at the front of the line that we are protecting the American dream for them, and not just saying you can come here into the United States of America, you can disrespect our laws. We have to let people know that there are consequences yes. to breaking laws. Mm-hmm. It is not our responsibility to say, "Oh, okay, you're a nice person" or whatever. You know, you have have to have some type of consequence. Now, I think that Donald Trump can figure out the consequence. I think mm-hmm. that our legislators should be able to figure out the consequence. But we have to say that there is a rule of law here. There's a standard, and you cannot violate that standard.
3: Yeah, and when you have $20 trillion in debt, you literally just cannot afford to bring in every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to come here with no education and no ability to feed themselves and their families. Yeah. Since it's the same and, thing with and the and refugee program. that's one program. of the
4: critical things you do. You have to say right off, Andrea, is that you're not going to get public, you know, benefits. You're not going to get the largesse of the American taxpayer if you come here illegally. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. You know, let's adopt the laws that Mexico has you know, <laughs> yeah, for people who yeah. into their country illegally. I think that'd be a great start. Unless someone argue against that.
3: A um, couple more questions from my listeners, and thank yeah. you for staying with me a few minutes longer. Will, oh, I enjoy it. Uh, oh, thanks. Will you be assisting President Trump in Middle Eastern affairs?
4: Well, I don't know. You know, I had two meetings in Trump Tower uh, back on December the 5th and December the 12th. The first meeting was with uh, the Vice President, uh, Mike Pence, who I served with in Congress, uh, Lieutenant General Flynn and KT McFarland the national security team. Then the second meeting, I sat down and had an interview with the Trump executive transition team. I have not heard anything back from them since December the 12th, but I'm always ready to serve God and country. And if they give me the call, I'll do what is necessary to do that.
3: What do you think of his nominations, his nominees so far?
4: Well, I think the important thing is, and and why you see Chuck Schumer and others so, you you know, apoplectic, is that he is not picking, uh, you know, the people that live in the world of theory. Uh, He is picking people that live in the world of practicality, uh, people that have gone out there and done something. You know, I cannot understand why anyone would be upset about a general, a former general, being in charge of the Department of Defense. You know, we don't need to continue to go down the path of, you know, Ben Rose, who was the Deputy National Security Advisor. Who had a degree in literature and creative writing? Okay, what does that guy know about you know national security? But that is the the less mentality. You know, John Kerry was you know just a career politician. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State. Guess what he's done? He's traveled the world. Mm -hmm. He sat down with foreign leaders, good ones, bad ones. But he had to get stuff done. So I think that's what Donald Trump is looking for: people that have been out there in the world, have done things. And you know what? If you've done things and you've done it well, you're successful. Mm -hmm. And that's what Donald Trump wants to convey. A, a an atmosphere of success, not an atmosphere of career politicians and government bureaucrats that have done nothing but live off the largesse of the American people.
3: Well, Colonel West, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being on my show today. It has been such an honor and a pleasure. And, you know, oh my. Th- You've you've promised, you've offered to come back. And I trust you, I am not shy. I will be inviting you no back. Problem. All right. No problem. I'll be right here. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All right. Now we are going to shift gears. We're going to take a quick break. One of the biggest moves that Donald Trump uh, did on day one was fulfill a promise to get us out of that dang TPP. So we're going to talk to one of the lobbyists who helped, uh, who worked on uh, pushback to keep TPP from getting ratified in the first place, Krista Huff. So we got more on the other side of this break. It's the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
2: You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170,
3: The Answer.
5: This one an of
3: This, In case you guys hadn't figured it out, DJ Carrot Sticks, because the Oscar nominations came out this morning, we decided to pick music. It, well, DJ Carrot Sticks is picking music from Oscars, and I have no idea what song that was. Do you, what was that, Carrot
6: Sticks? Is Donna Summer Last Dance?
3: That didn't sound like Last Dance. I'm not sure. D- Dijon is is watching all the way from Mississippi. We'll see if he agrees with that. Um, that's Last Dance. That's actually one of my favorites. Because I do love to boogie. I love to get down in the round. Um, Speaking of getting down, our man, Donald Trump, he's been getting down. Actually, C.V. Burton made a good point on Facebook. He says that Donald Trump's been making his move since before official day one in the White House. I mean, he was day one on day two in transition when he was already keeping jobs here in the country. But he did say... On day one of his administration, he would get us out of this stinking TPP. This is something that on my show I've spent a lot of time talking about. I think I dedicated an entire show back in 2015 on the TPP because it was so complicated. It was being treated like the original Obamacare, where you've got to pass it to see what's in it. we got to give them the TPA authority to pass it before we even know what's in it. There was a whole lot of shenanigans going on with this. So I was really against this TPP from the beginning. My next guest was, too. So much so, her name is Krista Huff. She's a stock market expert, a conservative political analyst, and she actually worked with the end global governance to end the TPP. And so it was never really ratified. And here to talk about why yesterday was important, what it means, and what it means for our economy going forward is Krista Huff. Hey, Krista, welcome to The Andrea Kay Show.
6: Hi, Andrea. It's great to be here. And I'm following Colonel West. Wow. Uh,
3: I know. He's, so, he's such a hero of mine and such a patriot. So I was honored to have him on. Um, Well, first of all, I guess um, as I came into the studio, we got to give a shout out. I guess the markets are doing good today. Are they not?
6: Oh, the S&P just broke out of a trading range today, which means we'll probably see it um, go up for several days or several weeks, depending on how quickly it moves.
3: Wow. So, and you know, the yeah. the markets initially on election night, I guess they tanked a little bit out of fear. I'm not really sure why. I guess the same kind of irrational fear that was happening in these women's marches. But then after yeah. that, after the election, the markets have been rallying, and to me, it's a very good sign. Uh, TPP. You did work with a lobbying group to try to stop TPP from ever being ratified, and it wasn't. So if it wasn't, is TPP dead? And did oh, did President Trump really even need to do anything yesterday? Why was yesterday significant?
6: OK, it, uh, the TPP was unresolved until the U.S either had the ratification vote or pretty much announced that we will not have the vote. And yesterday, President uh, Trump, he signed an official memorandum that goes to the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative, telling them to withdraw us from the TPP. So, um, so then the next question becomes, well, is it alive in the rest of the world? And the answer is no, because without U.S. participation, the TPP cannot move forward
3: one of the points that you made in a great ar- article of yours which i'm assuming can be found at goodfellowllc.com you talked a lot extensively yeah. some of the some of the best comments and analysis that i've seen on the tpp particularly since i, I could even so. understand it because you know some uh-huh. of some of this economic finance stuff can be so over people's heads I know, Right. So much of Donald Trump and his candidacy, and even now, and what we're seeing with these marches is all about put America first. And you're xenophobic if you don't want to be part of the global world and the global economy. And if you want to put our economy first, you're xenophobic. Uh, You know, are the opponents of the TPP xenophobic?
6: Okay, they're not xenophobic. And what that means is uh, a fear of people from foreign lands. Now, I just spent two years working with activists from the far left, who, who are self-identified socialists, to the far right, as right as you can get, not a single person in two years has ever expressed a dislike of people from Japan, people from <laughs> Peru, people from Chile, right? And that's what xenophobia is. So, you no, know, when, when the supporters of the TPP call us xenophobic, what they're trying to do is insult us and shut us up. But you can't win an argument by slander. You need facts, and we have the facts on our side. Speaking
3: of those facts, you also outlined in your article that you actually outlined 10 major problems mm-hmm. with the TPP. We don't really have time to go into those. But what are some of the top three? For me, one of the top issues was that there was some courts that had control over our businesses here, not the mm-hmm. United States court system, but some global court that actually was empowered to make economic mm-hmm. decisions, huge decisions that impacted our economy. What do you think were the top three or so issues with TPP?
6: Well, the sovereignty giveaway, which includes the global court, so the global court system decisions would override uh, systems that might be made in the U.S. justice system. And there would also be a new global commission, very similar to how Germany and France joined the European Union. By, By ratifying the TPP, we would be joining the TPP commission, and that commission would make decisions on behalf of America forever Mm -hmm. decisions that override Congress and the U.S. justice system. And
3: the reason why some some people might be listening and say, well, what does it matter now? We've gotten rid of TPP because I want people to really understand what this was about and the real threat that it, it that it was to our entire World, our existence, because you know it, it's our economy, it's our lifeblood, it's who we are. There's no such thing as government money. Every dollar comes from you know our businesses, and this was basically giving complete control of our world, our nation, mm-hmm. to the rest of the world.
6: Right? Yes. A, a, new, a new commission would vote on all kinds of things that would take place in the U.S. currently and in the future. And because the TPP was a living document, and that's just not something that I say because I'm an opponent, right there in Chapter 28, it calls itself a living document. And there's all this verbiage that uh, allows the new commission to um, take things out of the the, the trade agreement, add things to the trade agreement if they wanted to put things in there about gun rights, health care, assisted suicide, anything they wanted to add, they were allowed to add.
3: So TPP is gone. Thank goodness. What yeah. happens now with trade? What should Trump do from a trade standpoint to make sure that uh, he can jumpstart the economy? I, I don't remember how many jobs that he he, he promised economic growth of, I believe, four percent. And I think something like, you know, millions of jobs over the course of his first term in, in office. What should he mm-hmm. do from a trade standpoint because we are global partners, I've worked for companies like Xerox that you know sold and made machines all around the world. What should he do from a trade standpoint to help jumpstart our jobs in our economy?
6: Mm-hmm. Okay, so next week he's meeting with the prime ministers and leaders from Japan, Canada, Mexico, and um, uh, the fourth one is escaping me. I'm sorry. And he's meeting with all four of them next week to discuss um, renegotiating NAFTA. And bilateral trade agreements, oh, yes, it was uh, Theresa May from the United Kingdom. So um, the U.K. can't enter into a new trade agreement with the U.S. until they're done with the whole Brexit thing. But he's getting the ball rolling on that with Theresa May. And um, with the uh, NAFTA partners, one of the major things that they want to renegotiate is, that global court system situation, because the reason we know it's so harmful is that it already exists in NAFTA and previous trade agreements. And it has been greatly harming our country. Granted, it doesn't get any headlines, but that is uh, that's one of the big red flags in NAFTA.
3: What do you think from, from an, just a general economic policy makes more sense and is better for our economy or do they have to be in tandem? Is it lower taxes and corporate taxes or is it the, the stranglehold of the regulations?
6: Oh my goodness. Um, I would, if I were in charge and I had to focus on one of them before the other, I would um, work on the stranglehold of deregulation because in recent years. Various of uh, American industries have practically been put out of business uh, because of regulation problems. For instance, when we had quantitative easing, which is essentially currency manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, interest rates were so low for so long that we were putting uh, small banks out of business. Between that and Dodd Frank, we put um, annuity companies out of business. Um, we put coal companies out of business. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, lower taxes benefit everybody, but regulation problems um, kill specific industries, and let's bring those industries back, and then let's help everybody uh, by uh, lowering tax rates, because the more people who go to work, Mm -hmm. the more the more people are paying taxes. Right. So what you're getting, what you're losing from corporate taxes, you're more than making up for by individuals having jobs and paying into the system.
3: What do you think of uh, the detractors of Trump who say he's talking about he's threatening tariffs? That's only going to hurt Americans and because we're going to have to pay more for those products.
6: OK, uh, this isn't polite, what I'm about to say. When people spout off about tariffs, those are people who are Imitating sound bites that they heard, and they really, for the most part, don't know what they're talking about. Tariffs are the kindergarten level of trade cheating. There is so much more that takes place regarding subsidies, currency manipulation, illegal dumping, bad taxes, bad taxes. There are many ways to manipulate the trans, uh, the value of transactions with foreign um, countries, and so uh, when people are like tariffs, tariffs right there, that's a clue that they really don't know the topic at all.
3: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad so that, Sorry to say that, but it's true. Well, it is true. And you know, I <laughs> I, I actually study business, I, you know, and, and finance, and I feel like I don't have any idea that was, you know, a while ago. And you know, if it's not something that you're involved in every day, and this is, you know, what you do, you, you know, the mm-hmm. average American doesn't really have any idea. And that's why I'm grateful that there, there are people like you experts <laughs> out there that this is what you do. It's what you live and breathe. And so you can help us understand it. So thank you so much for being here. How how can people read more of your work?
6: Uh, I write my trade articles at goodfellowllc.com.
3: Well, Krista Huff, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it very much.
6: Thank you, Andrea. Bye-bye now. Bye.
3: Okay. We got more. We're rocking and rolling on here. We got another very special guest for you all on the other side of the break. It's none other than Bubba.
0: (laughs) Bubba.
5: home that you will build great memories in call me or text me at 619-992-7113 call me today i would be honored to help you find your dream home
2: you're listening to the andrea K show on am 1170 the answer
3: <laughs> all the way from some undisclosed location probably down in, way down. Way down in some island, down surrounded by underage girls. There's none yeah, other. I get that a lot. None, none, none other than the 43rd, almost president, Bubba Bill Clinton. Hey, baby, welcome to the Andrea K. Show.
0: It's so good to be back, and I love when you call me baby.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're in good spirits, because you didn't necessarily look like you were in good spirits on the day of the inauguration, especially when your wife caught you staring at Ivanka.
0: Well, that was the problem, is that I couldn't get a full view of Ivanka, and hence the reason why I had that look on my face. (laughs) I only got to look at half a cheek, (laughs) so it really bothered me that day, not to mention it was cold. and. When you're married to Hillary, what can I tell you? You're always miserable. (laughs)
3: Okay. Um, I bet that you've been especially miserable, though, since the election. Because, I mean, rumors were that she just did not handle it well the night of the election. That's why she didn't come out and talk to her people. And there's even been some rumors going around about her maybe tipping uh, the glass back a little bit. What's going on with Hill?
0: Well, uh uh, I will say this. Um, she was definitely in bad spirits, uh, and that's putting it mildly. She started throwing all kinds of objects at me. Uh, as you know, I have uh, an esteemed adult toy collection, and she was throwing all of them at me. <laughs> and I got to say, silicone hurts when it hits you right in the nose. So. Uh, it but you would, would have explain- some
3: experience in silicone hitting you right in the schnoz, though, wouldn't you, Bill?
0: Yes, I do. A lot of it, in fact. And uh, she has been uh, quite temperamental and very uh, unpredictable. And um, she has been drinking. Uh, she loves Russian vodka and uranium, too. So it's, uh, you know, she does have good taste. And uh, the Russians certainly know how to make uh, really good vodka. Uh
3: Um, Okay. Now, is she planning on, uh, while she's sipping the the vodka, sipping the juice, is she planning a comeback? Because there's all kinds of rumors. Is she going to run for mayor of New York? Is she going to be supporting school board nominees in Arkansas? What's up with her and her plans?
0: Well, Hillary is as unpredictable as a hurricane, so I really don't know what her true intentions are, but uh, it's good for my social life when she does run, so (laughs) I certainly uh, do support her doing that, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited about that, Um, and so you never know. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way, Uh, Andrea, nothing is off the table. At least that's what I said to the last woman I made love to. (laughs)
3: Speaking of women, because we know how much you love the ladies. Did you stick yes, around in D.C. for the Women's March? And on a scale of like zero to ten, how attractive were these ladies on on the whole?
0: I'd give them a minus 27. Um, certainly not uh, attractive. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was celibate that day. <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with anybody, oh. even myself. It was <laughs> terrible. And uh, the reason I say that is... Um, uh, you know at first i I thought I saw this one woman, and she was going to look up to me and say hi and then it was none other than John Kerry, and uh, that was uh, pretty freaky. I did not expect that, you know. And uh, he came over to me like lurch, and he just kind of leaned over and you know patted me on the head, and I was like, "Oh God, why am I even here?" So it, it was um, it was pretty awful, uh, to be honest, and it was very very difficult to get through. But I got to say. Um, I was very impressed with Melania Trump's outfit, and yeah. that made my entire day, I, uh, and that's putting it mildly.
3: I bet he did. Now, um, I, you know, we're, we're broadcasting right now via Facebook Live, and some people are okay. wondering if—I uh, haven't heard anything from Benjamin Netanyahu since the, since the inauguration. I know that uh, plans for Israel in terms of actually moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem <laughs> is on the table. What do you—you th- you know, have you heard from Bibi?
0: Um, I have not heard from uh, B.B. Netanyahu. Uh, I know he has definitely been in touch with President Trump. And, uh, you know, i got to say that does have a nice ring to it. Uh, I'm kind of getting used to that at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I- I'm not sure if I'll be in touch with Bibi. I'm sure he'll... Uh, try to get in contact with me at a certain point. Uh, I would prefer he do so when Hillary's not present just because it's hard to carry on a, a decent conversation when you have dishes breaking in the background.
3: Okay. So, well, some of the yeah. listeners were hoping maybe Bibi might be near you and and able to make a comment on...
0: Uh, Actually, you're, you're not going to believe this, but I see him. Uh, I'm, I'm not too far from uh, okay. Okay. one of the embassies. Uh, uh, Bibi. Maybe, sure, yes, <laughs> right here. Yes. Hello, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's, uh, it's been a long time, and uh, it's very emotional. Uh, this is, uh, it's been quite an ordeal, uh, to say the least, uh, mm-hmm. especially within the last month and a half of uh, the Obama presidency. Yes. So n- Naturally, there are many people in Israel we are very, Honored and very pleased that President Trump won the election and we feel that we can certainly work together, the United States and Israel, Mm -hmm. rather than harboring resentment towards one another. And that's unfortunately was the case. When uh, President Obama was at the home
3: yes, what did you think when when John Kerry in the last final seconds practically of of the Obama administration with this crap that they pulled with the u n and then John Kerry coming out and basically saying the definition of peace for Israel should come at through Israel uh, subjugating themselves to the to the will of of Hamas and the Palestinians
0: well, John Kerry is delusional, and for him to even uh, come up with such a notion is just uh, preposterous. I, I really, I believe Mr. Kerry uh, skipped history when he went to school. And that's, unfortunately, some of the biggest problems that we've had to encounter, uh, notably with former President Obama. Uh, he is someone that had an Islamist agenda. Everyone knows it. I mean, this is someone who, who in his, one of his last acts of being president of the United States, contributed, or I, I should say not contributed, but rather took over $200 million in American tax dollars. Yes. and gave it to the Palestinians. And, and I, again, I still to this day cannot understand that, how people cannot clearly see that this is such a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the, we're just grateful that the hostility mm-hmm. is no longer there, that this, if I could say this uh, dark cloud, yeah. is no longer Above the state of Israel, it was an albatross. If you think about it, around our necks yes. for the past eight years.
3: Well, it's. And I start. It, I, excuse me for interrupting, Bibi. Sure. Um, okay. I started my show talking about the irrationality of the left and, and the hysteria. It is completely irrational to see these liberals putting swastikas on Trump and calling him anti-Semitic after eight years of what the Obama administration is. That There is no way that you can characterize Obama as anything but anti-Semitic when he did give the $200 million to the Palestinians, when they have pressured uh, Israel to, you know, subjugate themselves to, uh, to Hamas. And, you know, as well as giving rise to radical Islam all over the world. Uh, final thoughts. Yes.
0: Uh, I believe this is uh, the dawning of a new era. I believe that there will be great cooperation between the United States and Israel. Uh, Israel is a great ally of the United States and vice versa. Uh, we are two countries that are being affected among many other countries by radical Islamic terror, and we should not be afraid to call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the former president of the United States refused to acknowledge this problem, and if anything, he was a part of the problem.
3: Yes, he created that- the problem, in my opinion, baby. He created the problem. He intentionally took out leaders uh, like in Egypt and in Libya and actually then turned around and gave money to the Muslim Brotherhood, who is anti-Christian, anti-Semitic. So to me, it—I, you know, I know that you being the politician and it, you have to mince words, but I'm just going to say it right here that I think that, that it's been intentional What he's done and then turning around to give uh, do that Iran nuke deal when Iran teaches their children to chant death to America and death to Israel every day. And they've already stated their goal is to just to wipe America and Israel off the map. I think it's I think we should be past the time of of tiptoeing on eggshells in terms of declaring Obama who he is. I got to thank my buddy, Phil Hirsch, for being on the show today. Phil, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Anything (laughs) that you want to say yourself about the election?
0: Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you, it really was a nail-biter, a cliffhanger, if you will. It's the last thing. Um, I'll be honest, I did not expect it to go the way it did. I think a lot of people uh, shared that sentiment uh the reason i say that is you look at all the negative coverage and it's obviously not going anywhere anytime soon it's always going to be there especially now mm-hmm. and i just wonder it's like gosh you know i i wish the media could for one minute could just look in the mirror just and not just media in general but just a lot of major people these spokespeople uh that represent uh you know different channels mm-hmm. and you know like abc nbc cbs and vice versa and, you know CNN, and just to look for one moment and say, gosh, can you believe that I get paid to just lie to the American people on a daily basis? And that's pretty much what they do. And it's pretty incredible that people still do not get that. Mm -hmm. And they just continue with the status quo. And I'm thinking, you know what, this is why, you know, President Trump tweets, yeah. because he needs to get his message up because if he expects uh, anything to change anytime soon over at CNN and MSNBC and the rest of those, uh, the, the MSM, the drive-by media, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it, it, it is effective. I think a lot of good things have happened. The one thing I'm very happy that occurred is that the TPP is dead in its tracks. I know you were yeah. uh, talking to former President <laughs> Bill Clinton, who's like Hillary, was the architect of the Trans-Pacific Partnership before she was against it. But oh, right. I beg-
3: Oh, and he he was behind NAFTA. So you yes, know, exactly, and what Which this started, is, all, yeah, and what this is all about, what all these big trade deals are about, and what liberalism is all about, and, and Obama and all of them, it's this. They want a one-world government. They want to yeah. and Obama set out day one to weaken America economically and militarily, and he did succeed in large part on that.
0: Sadly, yes, uh, you, he
3: did. You and I both have uh, friends in Hollywood and in, in the entertainment industry. I got to say, before we wrap up with you, one of the things that aggravated me so bad with this Women's March was not just the insanity of like. Donna talking about thinking about blowing up the White House or Ugh. some of the, na- I mean, uh, yeah, Ashley Judd, you are nasty. But do I, when I hear all these people complaining about the state of women today, particularly in Hollywood, it's like, how is that Trump's fault? You've had Barack Obama in power now for eight yeah. years. For a good part of that, he had both houses of Congress. Hollywood is mm. run by liberals. All yep, the all the is. studios, every production house, all the casting directors, it's all run by liberals. Hey, if, if the mm. women are getting paid the same, how is in the world, is that Trump's fault?
0: You know, that's the part that's incredible, and they always have someone else to blame but themselves. And uh, it's—you're right—it's—it's it's very difficult. To be out and about if you're uh, an actor in Hollywood or even on the East Coast, for that matter, Mm -hmm. it's something you're always going to have to deal with. You're going to be on a film set and you're going to have people who are going to make the most outrageous remarks. And there are times you just have to bite your lip and just say, gosh, you know what? I'm getting paid very well to be here and uh, I don't want to jeopardize that. And it's terrible. To even think that, but it happens all the time. It's, right. I'm sure it's happened to you many times. It's happened to me many times, and continues to happen. Yeah. So. It's just something we have to deal with, but every so often you're on a set and there's a client that gets it, yeah. uh, or people that get it, and it's nice to have a conversation with even one or two people quietly. Yeah. It just gives you hope. That's well, all I could tell you. Some
3: are actually starting to get You know, John Favreau was, uh, said that he had been going around to Hollywood talking to all these houses, uh, you know, production houses and, and studios, saying, hey, why are you guys – you know, continuing to push for policy of high taxation, because all you're doing is driving the, the movies and the TV productions out of California. I mean, I've got an I've, I've got yep. a family member who hasn't been to his home in L.A. in years because he's got to mm-hmm. go and move everywhere else where there's good taxes. Uh, and, well, and that's which is, exactly
0: it. And yeah. I, I've also, you know, been spending a lot less time here and and being out of state. And that's what people end up doing. They end up buying a house in Georgia or Florida or Louisiana. And they're able to work a lot more. And the reason being that it's not just the tax cuts. Keep that in mind. It's also the environment itself. When you have a good governor, unlike yes. the current governor of California, who's horrible, but when you have a decent governor who knows how to govern properly and uh, who knows how to keep their house in order, it's going to make a difference. When you have a, a climate of hostility towards business, yes. people are going to flee in droves. And that's the biggest problem with states like California and New York, mm-hmm. where a a lot of these people have left, and they don't plan on coming back. And again, a lot of it has to do with high regulation, high taxation,
3: as well as our open and, border. You know, I'm down here on, on this border yeah. town, and you know, we we see firsthand. You know, Alan West mm-hmm. was on earlier, and he was talking about the locust effect and how it's you know spreading out yeah. into the rest of the country. But mm-hmm. the open borders and the importation of people that that don't have skills and don't have any education, don't even have the ability to speak the language, and then immediately go in government yeah. assistance, it just mm-hmm. has been such a drain economically. And it does not make you a racist to point that out. You know, I think people need to make a decision how many children they should have, too. Because if you can't afford to feed and take care of 10 Mm -hmm. kids, don't have 10 kids. To me, it doesn't it doesn't mean you hate children if you make a decision. You know, I'm not or I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go and adopt 10 kids because I can't afford to take care of them. to me, it's just about fiscal responsibility. Phil, thank Mm -hmm. you so much. It's always an honor and just such a crack up to me to have have you on my show. (sighs) Phil and I have been buds for a lot of years now. We did a we did a Disney a Disney project together out of Orange County. We've been friends ever since. And um, how can people see your work?
0: Well, they can see my work. I have uh, some work on YouTube, and I also have a fan page. Uh, People can go to facebook.com forward slash Philip Hirsch fan page. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-H-E-R-S-H fan page.
3: All right. Well, I'm a fan of yours, buddy. Have a great day. Thank
0: you so much, Andrew. Keep up the great work, and God bless you.
3: All right. Thanks, you too. All right. We're rolling into the final stretch. We're gonna take a real quick break right here. We come back, we're gonna talk about the winners. They're giving Oscar nominations today. We got our own little awards we give out every week. Last week's Fool, This Week's Tool, and Hero of the Week.
2: Save you, save me. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
3: You see, you ain't see the best of me yet. Give me time, I'll make you forget the rest. I got more Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Ooh, that's my favorite song so far.
6: You catch them.
3: Left in the show, I gotta stop chair dancing and get back to it. Who remembers that they made like a TV show out of the movie Fame? Did you ever watch the TV show? You're so young, but it was in reruns. Well, I Did knew you the show me?
6: first before I knew there was a movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that there was a, a movie.
3: My older sister was obsessed with a movie, fame, obsessed with a movie. I think it had Debbie, um, the dancer, Debbie uh, Allen was in it. And anyway, she was obsessed with it and played the record all the time. I just found out the other day that I'm Facebook friends with one of the guys from the TV show fame, Billy, somebody or other. He still looks cute. Oh, are you bringing the leg warmers back? Yeah, (laughs) I do love my leg warmers. Um, uh, Speaking of TV and nominations and awards, somehow I'm trying to segue here. Um, to We're, we're going to wrap the show with my last week's Fool This Week's Tool Award and Hero of the Week. But just to give you a little updates on Trump moving forward, I guess he's already decided on who is going to be his nominee to replace Scalia. So by next week's show, hopefully he's going to, I guess, be nominated next week. I didn't have an opportunity to do any research on him. Uh, just listening to commentary and analysis, this guy out of Colorado is straight up conservative. Basically, Trump is fulfilling his promises. This is the first time. And how long that we've had a politician make promises and actually fulfill them. And he's doing it day one. He said day one he was going to get rid of TPP. Boom, he's done it. He's talked about infrastructure. I guess today he signed multiple deals involving infrastructure uh, from Keystone Pipeline and and, and other executive orders having to do with... Uh, infrastructure as well as regulations, one of the biggest killers, you know, I co-hosted and produced two business shows over the course of about 10 years here in San Diego, met almost every top uh, CEO and president of San Diego-based businesses from small to really large like Qualcomm. The environmental regulations in California and with the federal on top of it are one of the main reasons reasons why businesses and manufacturers in particular have left in droves in droves. So God bless you, Trump, for understanding. I agree with Krista Huff. I think the regulations, at least here in California, maybe not in some other states with manufacturing regulations here have been far worse than taxation as a reason to drive out uh, businesses. So I'm loving what Trump has done so far. I'm really, I got to tell you though, the one thing that I am looking for is some executive orders and things involving immigration. I want him to repeal that DACA. I know that he's wanting to get like, and do the less controversial things first, really, you know, get people excited. His approval rating is going up, but I want him to fulfill those promises on immigration because it affects economics. It affects everything. But because of what he's done, we gave the American people gave the majority to the Republican Party after 2014 because Obama's promises had all failed. Obama and it was about Obamacare and it was about the border and immigration. The Republican Party made a lot of promises and they failed to deliver on any of them. So Trump gets my hero of the week award because he is the first politician that I can remember Fulfilling his promises and doing it quickly. So God bless you, Donald J. J. Trump and shame on anybody out there who thinks that putting America first, which means putting your family first, makes you racist, bigoted, woman hater or any of that. That's irrational. Get a grip on yourself. That's what I say to you. Um, Last week's fool. Speaking of fools, last week's fool. This week's tool award is a collective. It goes to all the irrational people out there who actually think, like I just said, these are the, these are the people that actually hate Donald Trump but can't tell you why they hate Donald Trump. These are people that march on mass, mass for women, but can't tell you one thing that Donald Trump has done that's a threat to women. These are the people that are railing on alternative facts when we have a eight years of nothing but lies. And alternative facts, i.e. lies being presented to us, like the women. Let me tell you something, you women marchers, because maybe I'm just going to give them the collective last week's full, this week's tool award. Don't continue to pee on my leg and tell me it's rainy. You know what alternative facts are, you pro-abortion crowd? Alternative facts is to tell me it's her body, her choice. Here's a little science lesson. It's a separate human being. It's with separate DNA. That's really what your irrational march was all about. It was it was an anti-life March, And that's one reason why you're out there pretending that it's pro-women while you're arm-in-arm with a pro-Sharia movement that would cut off your genitals and cut off your little girl's genitals you got standing there that you've written nasty words on would cut off her genitals, too, because that's what happens in Sharia. And if you got raped, they would think that you deserved to be stoned for it. Completely irrational. Anybody, and I still don't really have the answer to the question, and I think Alan West had some good suggestions of what do we do with these people, how are we going to survive this confederacy of fools? Um, I'm really not sure. I think that that's kind of a conversation. I think that we need to, we, we should probably pick up the ball and keep rolling with it. Alan West is right. We got to reach out to people. We got to do what the Republicans haven't done in a long time and start talking to people. But how do you reach the irrational? How do you, how do you get through to them? I don't know. But anyway, I'm just thrilled. Thank you to my guest on today's show, Alan West, of course. Thank you to, in the form of Phil Hirsch. I have my buddy uh, Phil bring us, Bill Clinton and BB. Thank you, Krista Huff. Thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you all out there watching Facebook Live. But the show will be on tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm also going to be sitting in for Gina tonight, filling in for her on America Trends on u Have a great night, everybody. Love you all.
2: Mwah.